Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and the spirit to those who walk in it. Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Young Adult Christian Podcast. I am your host, Joseph Dronick. Joining me today is the baby sprinkler himself, Jacob Comer, and Melissa Woodforth, who has a wonderful YouTube channel. I'm linking that in the chat box right now. I highly recommend you check this all out. How are we guys doing today? Pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. Can you guys hear me? Crystal clear. Can you hear me? Right, thank you guys. Yeah, I can hear both of you guys. Crystal clear. Uh, thank you guys. For, thank you for coming on the show. Um, if I'm honest, I don't know where Dylan is right now, but he'll probably come on in a bit. So I just want to get started and just want to thank you guys for coming on yet again. Um, what is that sound? Sorry, I actually live on a golf course, if you would like to know, and those are sandhill cranes. So I am currently relocating, but we are all set now. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> so after this, are you going to play like nine holes or something? or Possibly. Possibly. You never know. <laughs> okay, good. Sounds like a great Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So to bring us back to business and get us started, the 2020 election is about a week and a half away. There's a lot of younger evangelicals who have no idea how to process this, have no idea how to look at the facts and to single-handedly cast a ballot that could decide the nation's future. And I just want to say to all our listeners, this isn't a commercial for any particular candidate. Even at points, it could sound like that. But please give us a little grace and listen to us because we will be going straight from the Bible and we will not do anything apart from scripture and present to you why the choice is a lot clearer than it looks. So to get us started before we get to the issues, we can all agree that no matter who wins on the 2020 election, it's not going to single-handedly wipe all of America's problems away. Can we agree on that? Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Yes, I, I think that's a problem a lot of evangelicals and people period think that if we vote for this candidate if it's Donald Joe Biden everything's going to be crystal clear silky smooth smooth sailing from this point on we're going to get rid of this issue that issue meanwhile and they deify their particular candidate especially evangelicals with Trump and even though some of us have that leaning we could agree that this none of them are perfect men and they should not be deified to the level that they are. Can we all agree? Yes. Yes. 
Okay, so I just want to mention this to all our listeners. Do not make an idol of the political candidate. Do not make an idol, period. So on that note, let's uh, pray us in. Um, Jacob, the Presbyterian, you care to pray us in? Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this night. Lord, I thank you for this podcast. I thank you for Joseph and Dylan hosting this podcast, Lord. And I thank you for Melissa and I having the pleasure of being here, Lord. I pray that our speech would be true tonight, true to you, and true to truth, Um, Lord. We pray that our thoughts, our words, and our actions tonight would glorify you in all things, and that we would be helpful to evangelicals, and maybe even to unbelievers, Lord. Use this podcast for your glory. In your holy and precious name I pray, amen. 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 All right, so we have at least five issues that we all want to touch on. So we're going to go through that one by one. I think the clearest issue that Christians have is that of abortion. This is this should be our deciding our this should be the deciding factor in who we vote for. So I just want to open the floor to you guys on this issue. How should Christians approach this? Melissa, you want to go first? Sure, yeah. I know it's a pretty heavy subject. Um, But yes, basically, one thing that I definitely want to touch on, as a Christian, it is not a question as to who to vote for in this election in terms of taxpayer-funded abortions. We know that Donald Trump's opinion, um, he has clearly stated that he is against taxpayer-funded abortions. And really, when you look at the sanctity of human life, um, you you have to uphold that um, point of view that we need to stop or at least try in terms of policy to end abortion. Um, and also, D- Joe Biden has repeated that he is for late-term abortions. We don't know what Joe Biden's stance is if a baby were to survive an abortion and um, didn't get life-saving care. Um, we know Donald Trump supports this policy. So, In terms of these things, these are definitely things that Christians need to be rooting for and need to be behind. And in terms of that policy, it's not really a hard choice between Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Um, There are other things that come into play with this, like the Supreme Court decision and having Amy Coney Barrett nominated to the support possibly this Monday. Um, We see that the Senate has been trying to block her and um, has been trying to say that it's not fair for the United States um, Senate, who has the right to advise and consent um, to do this. This is definitely something that they do have the right to do. Um, But we need to have Amy Coney Barrett on the Supreme Court um, because she will probably be um, someone who, if Roe versus Wade gets revisited, um, decides that it was a not fair decision and could possibly steer the court for generations to come. Um, so those are just some of my off the cuff thoughts um, about abortion. What about you, Jacob? What do you think? Um, I think that abortion is most certainly contrary to scripture. And a lot of people argue against that. They say that, oh, you know, the word abortion is never mentioned in scripture, but that doesn't mean that God agrees with abortion. It doesn't ultimately mean that. And so I actually wanted to read a passage from Psalm 94 we all know, obviously, you shall not murder. It's one of the commandments, Exodus twenty thirteen. But in Psalm 94, I was just reading it today, which I found really interesting, is um, 
I'm going to start at verse 20. Can wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute? They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. So, I mean, for context, the Lord isn't necessarily talking about abortion in this passage. It's more about God not willing to forsake his people. But is not a baby an innocent child? Is it not a child of God if it is a believer? And so the question is, and for me, the science, the science proves that from conception, abortion is never right. For me, that the science proves that. I mean, take a biology class. You know it. <laughs> There's no question. And with Amy Barrett on the Supreme Court, there's no question that she has the right to be on the Supreme Court. There's no question about this. And so, like you said, God is obvious, or like I said, God is obviously against abortion. There, he's against murder, and abortion is murder. There's no question about that. Right. Very, very true. I just want to bring this up. There was a quote I saw recently, and I don't know if he's actually the one who said this, but it's attributed to R.C. Sproul, where he mentions that he cannot, he does not know everything about God. He cannot know everything about God, even as a theologian, but if he knows anything about God, it's that he, and we see this all throughout scripture where the basically the notion of protecting the innocent, protect, stand up for those who cannot defend themselves. Who is more defenseless than a child in the womb? Really think about it. And I would tell this to people all the time that how can we look down on events like the Holocaust, which was a horrific event that should never be repeated, but how can we condemn such horrific actions when our nation has legally killed 10 times more people over the last 40 years? And I also want to bring this up. Planned Parenthood, on their website, I'm looking at this right now. I just found this as, um, as Melissa was talking, has this big thing of Joe Biden saying he's the right choice for, for president. I think that just shows that there is a clear, on this issue, it's clear. We cannot, as Christians, we cannot advocate for the further murder of children. And it's not just murder, it's brutal murder at that. And we come to the notion of justice. Where does it end? begin? Where does it end? If we allow the killing of a child up until the ninth month, okay, what happens in the future when we decide, okay, we allowed it this far. Let's push it a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further. Because all of these things, everything throughout history that was horrendous, never started abruptly at the worst case scenario. It was always a gradual growth. Where does it end? Exactly. Right. Man, Dylan, I agree with you 100%. Dylan's uh, right here. He mentioned in the chat box, amen, and a little bit further and further and further. It's It probably will never end if we keep it going. But I just want to bring this up to you. If Roe v. Wade is overturned tomorrow, 
I think our work will only just begin. Do you guys agree with that? Do you contest that? What are your stance? What is your stance? I, w- I would agree with that. I think it doesn't just end right off, you know, tomorrow as soon as you say, oh, it's officially legal. No, it, it still doesn't end. There are still, as we know, there are still going to be people who are going to try to get abortions. There will always be people that will try to get an abortion. And so it will never really end, honestly. It'll be a victory in the long battle, or the war, I should say, the long war. It would still be a victory, though. Right, right. Melissa, would you you have anything to add on? Right. I would just add that this is definitely um, not something that's going to go away overnight. Um, regrettably, I, I don't know how the election will go in terms of the polling um, showing the national um, favorability rates for both Biden and um, Trump. But one thing I do pray that is if Biden does get elected, we as Christians will just have to keep fighting for the truth and speak up even louder for the voices um, of the unborn. Um, And as some of those scriptures you alluded to earlier, um, Jacob, say, um, we, these are people we need to be defending. Um, these are innocent people. These are babies. Um, we can't let their voices go unheard. So even if Trump does win, I agree with you. Um, I agree that we won't have, we won't stop fighting about this right away. We'll have to continue fighting this fight. Um, and it's going to take a long time to overturn Roe versus Wade, if that will be the case in the next few years. Right. Right. And, it also comes down to someone in the uh, chat, uh, known Argrag. I can't pronounce that name. I'm sorry. It will be over. It will be turned over to the individual states, and that will be another fight. And yes, that would be the case. And then each individual state would have to fight for that. I'm I'm from New York, so a few years ago we had the RHA passed, and I've spoken out against that publicly on many occasions. But these battleground states are so we're going to have to completely un- try to undo the damage that was done to the culture by from this horrible, wicked law that was passed and almost single-handedly destroyed our nation. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I just want to use that as I mean, kind of is- a segue. Sorry. You go, Jacob. Sorry, I was just going to add, I mean, just think about what they did after the Civil War with slavery. What did we have to do during Reconstruction? We had to go state by state. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be the same way with abortion. You have to go state by state. I'm sorry, go on now. Yeah, no, no, that is exactly the case. Um, I want to bring this to, use this as a segue to go into the topic of justice, And we live in very strange times. We live in a time where it's okay for if someone is killed, not to allow due process, but to go and have riots about it. And all notions of public safety and security are then overthrown. So how does this tie into justice? How does just biblical justice, a biblical point of view on justice, I wanna run that home to all of our listeners. How do we go about this? Um, 
Um, could I just chime in here, um, Joseph? I'll, I'll just basically go on and say that um, with the idea of justice, there is a basically a pervasive idea that social justice or this idea of a, a definition of justice that is not biblical, that is definitely dominating today. And basically this idea ties into the critical race theory idea. Um, and basically it's sort of suggesting that there are different classes of people and those who are lower on this totem pole of classes deserve to be flipped to the top. Um, so say you have a, a African-American transgender Islamic um, person. So this person is now elevated to a higher level of oppression. Um, it's because they are oppressed, they're elevated to a higher level. And so therefore the white male goes down to the low, lowest part of the totem pole. Um, but this philosophy is self-defeating because essentially it's creating more divisions and it's not putting, it's not putting, it's basically creating more of a hierarchy and more other classes that are oppressed. I mean, if you're trying to solve these problems by creating more and more divisions, this is not the gospel. People are saying we need to have social justice warriors and we need to have institutions of critical race theory to fix all of these things. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came um, and there is no partiality with God. There's no Jew nor Gentile. There's no slave nor free. So yes, all races are completely the same in God's eyes, but there is this pervasive ideology that is saying the social justice um, and the social gospel is the, the new gospel. And if we're not constantly pushing for taking the most oppressed people in society and somehow making them on the top of the pedestal through, um, be it what it may be, so um, racial, um, financial reparations or um, trying to somehow reimagine the police system, these strange policies that people are putting out there, um, these are, this is not the gospel. The gospel is still straightforward that Jesus Christ saves sinners. And when we start messing with the gospel, things get dangerous. Amen. Very true. Um, hold on. I just want to make sure because my browser glitched out for a second. We're all still here and accounted for? Yes. That's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I just wanted to make sure because I panicked. I was panicking the whole time Melissa was talking because I lost you for two seconds, but then I get, got you back. So okay. <laughs> I, I just want to say 100%. I agree with that statement and I have a lot to say on that. But before I do, Jacob, what do you have to contribute? Uh, I would just say there's no question that God supports justice. I mean, I think that's all throughout the Bible. Just look at, um, I had the verse here just a minute ago. Where was it? Um, the one I read? It might have been the one you read, actually. Yeah, I think it was. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah 42? Yeah, that sounds right. Isaiah one, 42. Yeah, how the Messiah, the coming king, would establish justice in all the earth. Yep, exactly. And another verse that I would just pull out would be Psalm 106, verse 3, or blessed are those who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. So there's no question that justice needs to be served. And uh, to add on to what Melissa was saying, this, uh, I believe you called it the social gospel, is elevating the minorities. And I mean, we cannot, can't deny in American history that we have mistreated minorities. There's no, no doubt about that. But the thing is, is when you elevate minorities 
you're basically just promoting more racism, in my opinion. If you put somebody else above somebody else of a different race, if you put two races one over the other, then you're promoting racism, in my opinion. That's not going to fix the problem. I know that some people think it will fix the problem, but in my personal opinion, it will not fix the problem. You're just going to create a new problem, but on a different end. Right, right. I, I agree. And it's, it's on every level where the, le- the idea of social justice becomes the only idea of justice. If you get any other form of justice, nothing else matters. And it's to the point where it's like, okay, my identity, my strives, my genealogies, they determine my victimhood. And with, and with that, it's like, I'm no longer valuable as a person. I'm no longer this unless you see my victimhood, which we should be with the victims. We should sympathize with the victims. We should strive to seek justice for the victims. But there's a difference between genuine victims and those who victimize themselves. Mm. And, and it creates a harder environment for those who are genuine victims and now we have the idea of almost resegregation, but coming back to Amy Comey Barrett, where she adopted two two black boys, and she posts about them, and people are like, "Oh, those are your token children," but she's a mom; those are her kids. She loves her kids. What is wrong with that? And I just want to say the notion of causing division in the church and among the people are is punishable and damnable by God. Now, guys, you know, I'm a Reformed Baptist. You guys are Presbyterians. And Jacob, me and you have these joke debates all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> but I call you my brother. And we could still say, I still look you in the eyes and say, you're my brother in Christ. Melissa, you're my sister in Christ. Look, we're we're agreeing with at least 99.9% of things that oh yeah, and Dylan's a reformed Baptist. We're but we're agreeing with the 99.9% of things that are said on this podcast. There should not be any division, especially for something as so minuscule as race. If you want to talk about the horrible histories, yes, I can get behind that you this race, these group of people have had tremendous strife. But in Christ there were it's not this church that church that church it's just my church when christ said to peter on this rock i will build my church there was no divisions there was nothing saying like okay there's a jew church gentile church paul got to the point where he confronted peter on the matter of saying there's a jewish church and a gentile church there's no difference. It's just the church. There's one God, one Savior, one church. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. So now I got to ask you guys a really kind of heavy question here. There is a lot of tension on, on with these riots, with the overturning of the police departments. Biblically, what is the answer to this? Um, I would think that turning by turning over, do you mean completely getting rid of the police department? Some t- they say like defund or they say reform. There's those two terms are used interchangeably, 
However, there have been some cities that have gotten rid of their police department. Camden, New Jersey is one of them. I think um, Minneapolis after the George Floyd incident was the same thing. I'm not too sure on that one, but I know there were talks about it. I don't know how far it went, though. Or you you also have the regions of Chaz and Chop that completely tried to have no police whatsoever. Got to remember those. And look how well that who ha- tried to have no actual trained police, they just made their own. <laughs> <laughs> and look how well that ha- that turned out. Yep. <laughs> so I think, I think that police are necessary. Uh, obviously, you have to have the right kind of police. Like, you <laughs> cannot have German Nazi police walking around. That obviously is not okay. Right. You need to have right. just police. And in the cases of the incidents that we have had so far, I think that some reform, and this might be a slightly unpopular view to the rest of y'all, so I apologize in advance, but I do believe that there is a need for some reform in police departments. That is my personal opinion. I agree. I don't think completely destroying the police department is the answer. I think that would make things worse, absolutely worse, so much worse, unimaginably worse. Um, and so I think that there is some slight reform. Obviously, justice needs to be promoted. And I mean, I, to an extent, I think that justice is promoted now. I think there has been a lot of overreaction just because there's one bad cop doesn't mean the whole branch is bad. Right. There are a lot of good and just cops. I know a lot of good and just cops. And so I think slight reform is due, but not starting from scratch or just completely doing away with. Right, right. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. And look no further than the fact that Derek Chavez, I think that was his name. Was it Chavez, Derek Chavez? Yes, and the first name was Derek, the man that killed George Floyd. Regardless of whatever happened before that incident, his life should not have been taken. But this guy had like 16 complaints against him. All for similar occurrences. This guy should not have been allowed to carry a badge. Exactly. He should have been removed from the police force a while ago. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I just want to say this. I pray for his salvation, but because being a Christian and seeking justice, I firmly believe that he should get a fair trial. And if he's convicted, he should be executed immediately. Mm -hmm. And so, Melissa, do you have anything to add to this? Um, yeah, well, I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Um, I know that recently, sort of to, to take it back to a policy level, um, Donald Trump actually just posed a criminal justice reform, um, which would, I believe it may have been called the First Step Forward Act, where there are inmates, um, if they have proven themselves to have behaved in a decent manner in the time that they have served, they allow them to assess that behavior and let them back out into society to integrate back into normal life. Um, I think that this is an excellent way to slowly reform 
the many um, granted flaws that are in our criminal justice system. Um, however, when you take a look at the talking points of the left that have reiterated uh, the term reimagining the police, unfortunately, I believe what you get when you uh, when you elect um, someone like Joe Biden is you have people saying that, oh, now we need to take this vague concept of reimagining the police and do whatever we want with it, whatever feels just. And unfortunately, when people rely on their feelings, um, as as their form of truth, and when they use mm-hmm. vague concepts like this, you can take it to a conclusion that you never meant at first. And so I think that's why I want to be incredibly wary when viewing the issue of law and order in this um, election, because it definitely seems like that we have two clear choices about two candidates and different views on law and order. And I think when your country is burning to the ground, um, I know we're trying to keep things from a Christian perspective here, but I think as Christians, we have the duty to protect our own citizens um, and try to stop everything from burning to the ground. Um, and so that is something from a policy perspective that I view about um, our, our criminal justice. I think that we need to have strong law and order and protect um, as Christians um, the safety of our own citizens. Amen. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that a lot of the, when you hear the talks of police reform, especially on the left, it's very non, the ideas they have are not grounded in any form of reality. I have, I've seen things, I've heard things, I'm not going to go into detail, but we need a police force that's as armed and equipped as it is now. We need to re- we need to reform how we do things, but we cannot have that notion. We cannot get rid of that. The police are here for a reason. They're here to serve and protect. It's on the back of every squad car, and it's just that we are going. No one, when there's a criminal in the house at night, no one. I guarantee you, no one will be hating the police force. Whoever gets their house broken into, there's a perpetrator in there, no one's hating the police. I just want to say, Nona, Nona, I'm so sorry if I'm butchering the pronunciation, posted uh, Romans 13, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, which whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. I, that's the holy inspired word of God. That is something we're going to touch on. We as Christians should not go incite rebellions. However, we're going to touch on this in a little bit when our liberties are being trampled on. And when us as Christians, or when someone's coming against the church and saying, no, you got to do this, you got to do that. If it contradicts the word of God, we must stand strong. We're not going to go out and fight and kill. We're not going to go out and start a riot, but we will. What was that? Sorry, that may have been something in another room from me. I'm so- It's okay. I thought that was like a gunshot, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> How do you, what was that? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much what I said. All right, but as long as we're all okay here. 
Yeah, and we're going to go on to that. If you there's a prime example, if you look at Acts 16 verses 16 through 40, Paul and Silas are jailed. And they're singing hymns, they're praising God, and then God sets them free, but when the earthquake happened, there's, he sets them free by use of an earthquake. Earthquake happens, cell doors are open. They don't walk out. They stay there. And through this, uh, so the guard is converted to Christianity. Mm-hmm. That's what we have to do. That's what I believe um, men like John MacArthur are doing and many more who are not as well known as MacArthur. And yeah, and I think that kind of segues us into the notion of the preservation of religious freedom, uh, which is seems to be under attack now. So again, where do you guys stand? What do you think? How do we go about this? How does this determine our vote on November 3rd? Well, for me personally, just between abortion and then the taking away of what is the first amendment? Yeah. The first amendment restricting our, um, freedom from the First Amendment, that alone makes me vote Republican. I mean, listen to a section of the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 23, verse, uh, uh, sorry, section 3. Civil magistrates may not assume to themselves the administration of the word and sacraments or the power of the keys of the kingdom of heaven, or in the least interfere in matters of faith. Yet as nursing fathers, it is the duty of the civil magistrate to protect the church of our common Lord without giving the preference to any denomination of Christians above the rest, in such a manner that all ecclesiastical persons, whatever, shall enjoy the full, free, and unquestionable liberty of discharging every part of their sacred functions without violence or danger. And as Jesus Christ hath appointed a regular government and discipline in his church, no law of any commonwealth should interfere with, let, or hinder the due exercise thereof among the voluntary members of any denomination of Christians according to their own profession and belief. It is the duty of the civil magistrate to protect the person and good name of all their people in such an effectual manner as that no person be suffered either upon pretense of religion or of infidelity to offer any indignity, violence, abuse, or injury to any other person whatsoever and to take order in all sorry, order that all religious and ecclesiastical assemblies be held without molestation or disturbance. So, I mean, in the case of John MacArthur in California, it's rather clear that the government is overstepping not only their constitutional right, but their God-given right. Right. They are not allowed to interfere with the church of any denomination. And so the state of California, and I believe, uh, I'm a North Carolinian, so I believe that in North Carolina they were attempting to... uh, uh, require no singing in churches, which is also an overstep of the boundary. That they have no authority to do that. Right. Right. That's totally uncalled for. And I just want to throw something in there. I'm sorry, Melissa. I know I would wait until both of you finish the talk, but I just want to throw add this in there. When you read the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, the Founding Fathers admit that they are not the ones and the document they are writing are not giving the people these rights that these rights are inherent and given upon birth by god exactly right 
right, so now you can uh, contribute. <laughs> okay, sure. Sorry, I wasn't uh, quite certain there. So yes, uh, definitely the First Amendment freedoms were, gu were guaranteed in our, in our Constitution are a huge, important thing. Um, in terms of the two choices we had before us this election, I don't think there is a more clear option um, who will be a better defense of our First Amendment. Um, we need to have the freedom of religion. We need to have the freedom to follow consciences. Our po pastors need to have the freedom to marry um, two, uh, just one man and one woman, as they see is a biblical definition of marriage. Pastors now are being forced to marry and have civil unions um, between um, same-sex couples. and. We need to preserve our First Amendment. Um, Ronald Reagan once said that freedom is never more than generation one generation away from extinction. Um, it must be fought for. So if we don't fight constantly for the preservation of these rights, um, just human nature shows that slowly they erode away. And unfortunately, I think too many Christians are allowing it to happen, allowing the murder of unborn babies to happen, allowing slowly churches to have their rights eroded. Sometimes I think Christians tend to fall into this notion that they don't have to be involved at all. They can just sort of be cloistered away and not have anything to do with the policies that are taking place and shaping our nation. We need to have a voice in the public square so that we can stop these laws from passing and we can preserve our First Amendment rights before they're stripped from us completely. Right. I agree with you a thousand percent. Again, I feel like I'm touting MacArthur here, but he did this brilliant interview with John MacArthur, well, not with John MacArthur, with Ben, yeah, John MacArthur, interviewed John MacArthur. Mm. John MacArthur, ben yes, Ben Shapiro. Have you guys seen it? Yes. I have not. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Jacob, I'll send it to you when we're done with this. But he mentions how the fact that his mission is to proclaim the gospel, to preach the gospel, everything else is secondary. But however, as a Christian, he needs to be pro-life, pro-morality, pro-rights, pro-justice. And as Christian, and that's a pastor. And even those of us who aren't pastors, some yet, some will never be, we need to may take the same stance. We need to be able to go out and proclaim the gospel. We need to go out and proclaim justice and speak the truth that, yes, right and wrong exist. And I don't think there's ever been a time period in American history where the choice has been more clear. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. As Christians, we do have a duty to vote. Right, not in the political party sense, but right to God's word. Right. Obviously, this election, voting right is right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we were talking I like about, that. We were talking about the Declaration of Independence, and I wanted to read uh, kind of one of the sections here. It's the second pa paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, which is really funny because this has been brought up, brought up before. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator, capital C, with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government. I'm going to stop there because... I really just wanted that first 
that first section there. So, I mean, these rights are given to us by God. Right. Right. Even a group of people who weren't all believers, I think we can all attest to that. The founding fathers were not all believers, but exactly. they knew that the rights they wanted to give these people and the dignity that the governed have transcend any legal document and anyone who reigns, whether it be presidential or in the vein of a monarchy, and that the monarchy and the whatever government is oppressing them, they have the right, the God-given right to overthrow it. And it's funny now that people will say like, oh, the rights are given by the government and it's cre- and we create our own value. No. <laughs> Flat out, no. And that's all I got to say on that. But in turn... <laughs> Hold on. You know, I, I just have to do this. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Southern accent in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in Florida now, so I gotta. <laughs> hey, you're in Florida. Welcome yeah, down cool. south. Oh, man. Man, after this, let's go have a good old-fashioned hoot nanny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's enough. <laughs> Are you sure about that? <laughs> yes. Uh, so Forrest joined the group. <laughs> you know, I, I might not be able to pronounce your name, but I like you. You seem pretty cool. <laughs> and yes, Dylan, I really, I, I had to. You've known me for two years. You should know me by now. But <laughs> when we go into the realm of religious freedom, let's face it, this has been through out church history the world has stood for one thing and the church has stood for another now it's in america now it's much bigger than we would see now it seems like i'm going to use this uh illustration here and jacob you're lord of the rings fan just as much as i am it kind of feels like the battle of minas tirith where there's this one city built into a mountain and of course you know it's white because, you know, remember, the, guy, the throne is white. The, the king, the elect are going to be clothed in white. And there's, like the, and there's this army of like 10 million just hor- horrendously evil things coming and wanting to kill us. So, and it's gone down to every little thing from whether it be marriage, the ordination of women, you got to perform this, you got to perform that. If you got to join this movement, where do you guys think we should go on this do you think it's okay at all to bend to it and if so how far um joseph just to clarify the question could you just sort of restate it one more time sure the attacks on christian principles and morals at least in america have never been more clear and upfront to the notion that how God has made his creation, go back to Genesis where the, where God says, let us create man in our image and let's make them male and female. And then the institutions of marriage, the family itself, it's all under attack now. And it, it all starts from, okay, this organization said, has a good cause and you know which one I'm talking about. It has a good name that, that it's a Trojan, but it's really a Trojan horse. Do you think it's okay for us to bend? And if so, how far? It's okay for us to bend to society. Is that the question? 
Yes, and if so, how far? <laughs> well, Joe, Trick you question. know that I just had a major debate on my Facebook page about this over uh, the Pope's recent decision on uh, same-sex civil yes. unions. Had a massive debate on that. Uh, you know where I stand already, and I'll just say it. No. The church is not to bend to society. That is not our place. We are the church of God, and we follow the truth above anything else. And so when society says, hey, I want you to give up that truth because it doesn't agree with what I believe or what I deem as my truth, which is false, um, we have to say no. We have to hold true to the word of God. It is living and active. It is still as true as it is today as it was 2,000 years ago, and that cannot be denied. Right. And so the church cannot bow down to society. And I mean, when the church bows down to society, it bows down to Satan. Right. Right. Amen. You cannot love Jesus and then love the world. Just can't do it. Exactly. Melissa, do you have anything you want to add to this? Yes, I definitely agree that we can't bow down to the world and we can't bow down to Satan as the church. So with the, with the issue of marriage, there is so much that has come under fire with the passing of the same-sex marriage decision in 2015. We have Obergefell versus Hodges. Um, basically, what this law did was redefine marriage um, as to be something other than between one man and one woman. And only God has the right to define marriage. This is an institution that was set up by him, and it's been in cultures for thousands of years and so for us to suddenly come along in 2015 and say hey look we were wrong for millennia and we're not we're going to change what marriage essentially means this is something that the effects of this cause the unraveling of society when you have two people who um are not a man and a woman in a civil union obviously those children are not going to have the type of care that they need and then we see families that are broken um i'm not sure if you guys are familiar of i believe it's the tech the texas case where there's a child who is split between custody right now of his mother and father and you see examples like this um where they're trying to let the child choose what gender he wants to be um, or actually, I can't remember um, if it's a male or a female, but the point is they're trying to allow children today to choose their own gender. Children can't sometimes even decide what they want for breakfast. They can't decide what they, you know, what, what their nickname for that day to be. They can't choose their gender, which could be a mistake that they'll regret for the rest of their life. And we actually know from the last hall, town hall debate that Joe Biden says that he is okay with an eight-year-old changing and choosing their own gender. Oh, so right. these are issues that, yeah, um, that come into conflict with a Christian worldview. We clearly know that that is not how God views marriage. And right. it is one of the most, to me, grievous acts and grievous ways our country has interpreted a law in my in my entire life of ever seeing something because the way you define a family is is essential to a culture and we have seen the unraveling of family and therefore the unraveling of culture so this is a huge burden on my heart i hope the church can see ways to fix this um in in our civil and political spheres, and I pray that we can one day overturn the same-sex marriage decision. 
Right, right. That is one hundred. That is one hundred percent the case. I just want to add on to what you said and then throw my two cents in. I work with children. I work with elementary school children. The boy in that case is eight years old. The other day, I had to convince a child around the same age that Spider-Man isn't real. He cannot be real. And that if you were to get bitten by a radioactive insect or be exposed to any level of radiation, you wouldn't get powers, you would die. Mm -hmm. That kid, at this point, should not be making any decision that affects the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And Sorry. uh, I'll just add two seconds here. The redefinition of marriage and God's institutes. What did the snake say to tempt Eve to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You shall be like God. Mm-hmm. It's the same sin that led, put us in this position in the first place that is here. It's on display and it's ruining society. So I'll add on to both of those things. Uh, I'm going to add on to what Joe just said, and then I'm going to add on to something you said, Melissa. Um, Joe, what you just said with the serpent there is, and with society, the thing is, society, guess what? You're not God. You want to be, but you are not, and you will never be. And so you don't have that position of authority over God. And that is why it is important that the word of God be upheld by especially Christians. Now to add on to what you said, Melissa, you, uh, I know, Joe, you mentioned earlier God made them male and female. And with the transgender issue, we need to remember that we are made in the image of God, and God decided whether or not we would be male or female. So I want to say to the Christian out there to think of it like this. God chose you to be a man, or God chose you to be a woman. Remember that. Who you came out, your gender out of the womb male or female, was decided by God, and you should honor in that, and you should love that. Honestly, I know that there are times where you will struggle with that. Just remember that God chose you to be male. God chose you to be female. Amen. Amen, brother. So, you know, there was this court case of not really a court case but there was this controversy a few years ago involving a wedding cake mm-hmm. it was a christian baker he didn't want to back down he didn't want to cave in oh, I heard of and this. it went to the court it 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 was a lot crazier than it needed to be but i don't know if things moved to the left if that baker would still be in business. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were arguing that if someone doesn't like you, let's say you come into the emergency room and you're flatlining, the doctor, if he doesn't like you, if he doesn't like what you stand for, he shouldn't need to resuscitate you. And we could agree those are two different things. It's just a cake. It's not a human life. There are thousands of other people you can go get the cake from. And we, no matter what, as Christians, we must not back down. We must not waver an inch. 
And I said this to Jacob. I said this to Melissa. I said this to Dylan probably the most. That our spiritual ancestors were told by the Roman soldiers to proclaim Caesar as God. They didn't do so and they died because of it. The Roman soldiers were probably thinking this isn't that big a deal. You can go and worship Jesus, but at this moment proclaim Caesar as God and they did not. The problem with the even jellyfish that we have today. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, you could you could actually thank uh Pastor Jeff Durbin for that. I like that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not that creative, but okay. I'm not, I'm creative in a lot of other things, but I'm not creative in naming things. That's why we're on a show called the young adult Christian. <laughs> Is that okay, in any, than I would do. <laughs> you'd probably do better than me, but I'm not going to debate anything right now. This is a friendly show, not a All debate right. show. <laughs> but <All right. laughs> we cannot cater on these issues we cannot bend on these issues even an inch because that inch is going to turn into a mile and i actually want to see if we could do another show on progressive christianity which i've told dylan i've told jacob this i don't think i've told melissa this as much but i think that is a cancer an all-out cancer mm-hmm. now into the realm of politics Inact- inaction is action, guys. Mm-hmm. That's all I just want to leave you on. Inaction is action. Hold on. Eki 56 triple clown. Um, first or second Thessalonians, he didn't specify which one, but ch- chapter 2, verse 4, helpful votes, but just mm-hmm. as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So we speak not to please man, but to please God who test our hearts. Absolutely. I was just about to say this. We are so focused now on making buddies, not making friendships, but we are failing in the aspect that we aren't here to please the man next to us. We are to please the creator above us. What a beautiful reminder. Amen. It's so important for us as Christians to remember that. And it's so easy to forget it, honestly. I'm not going to lie. There was one time where I kind of forgot it on Facebook, and I wouldn't post. Rather than I'm extremely pro-life, so I never cared. I would always always post pro-life. But um, there was a time where I actually feared hurting people's feelings. And as you guys know now, I had that massive debate on Facebook, and I broke away from that. That was my breakaway at that point. And so as we as Christians, we cannot... We cannot bend. I, lo- I love what Dylan said. We cannot, don't bend even a smidge of an inch to society. We cannot bend a smidge of an inch. Right, right. So Dylan, I just have to ask you, is that a centimeter? Is that a millimeter? Like <laughs> how much? But we'll, we'll make it smaller, one one billionth. One one billionth of an inch. Okay, that. We cannot give one one. How about one one trillionth? We can't give one one trillionth. We'll go to that. Okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> hey, Joseph, can I just piggyback off something you just said? Go right ahead. So I can't remember exactly who said this quote. It may have been Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but it was that silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And another quote that comes to mind, again, I can't remember the source, but um, 
evil prevails when good men do nothing. So it is crucial that we as Christians in these next 10 days do all that we can to prayerfully consider who would be the better choice and candidate and then act like you were saying, Jacob, not to just be quiet and kowtow to the culture. We can't let the culture dominate us just because we're so afraid of offending people or just um, being, we want to be lukewarm so we don't upset anybody. No, the gospel is not lukewarm. We need to be bold. We need to be strong. And even if, like Joseph, you were saying, that causes us to have to be persecuted for our faith in the early church, that happened all the time. We need to be brave on these issues and we can't be silent because by being silent, we are actually acting. And exactly. if we allow this to happen, it could take our rights away and it could lead to a worse um, state for us in the future if we do not make the choice to act now. <laughs> let me, <laughs> let me just add on to that. I know, right? Um, yeah. You are always, let me just say that if you're still afraid, Christian, of like insulting someone or making someone mad because you say something, know this, you are always going to make somebody mad. No matter what you say, you are most likely, especially in today's society, if you say anything politics, you are always going to make somebody mad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very true. To kind of piggyback off what you said about the whole not being lukewarm, Revelation 3.16, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. God hates lukewarmness. Mm -hmm. He absolutely detests it to the point where he will literally spit you out if you are a professing Christian and become lukewarm. It is better to be hot, blazing hot or cold. Because if you're not, if you're lukewarm, you are misrepresenting the gospel of Christ. And I don't know, have you guys ever heard the story, and then they came for me? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Well, it was written during World War II. And it's kind of, it's it's an allegory in the same vein as C.S. Lewis, because it deals with sort of a hierarchy in the forest, where you have all these animals living in harmony, and then this horrible, these horrible beings come and they take one group of animals and the other groups did nothing. And then they came back and took another group and the other groups did nothing. And it just keeps going and going until there's only one group left in the forest. And then these horrible, evil creatures come for this one last group. And then they realize they had the opportunity to stop it. They had the opportunity to fight and they didn't. If we do not fight now, that will be us. And it, yes, it's all well and good until they come for me. Yep. Right. All right. So I think we actually covered all of the topics we sought to cover. Did we really? I think so. I kind of we kind of combined a few of them. We did. I feel like there's one we're missing. Well, I'm, I'm pulling up the list that we made right now. Oh, censorship. Aha. Mm-hmm. I know. All right. The media moguls of this day and age have been on a witch hunt of conservative Christian ideas. And we know that this nation and 
the free world, as we would like to call it, live and die off the spread of ideas. Now we're at the point where if you don't have ideas that go with the flow, you're ostracized. You don't belong. Like, how dare you present to us anything different than what's being told to us by everybody else? So I'm going to give you guys a chance to speak, and then I will have my turn. I'll let you take this one first, Melissa, if you're okay, ready. Okay, cool. Thanks, Jacob. Yeah. So the mainstream media has been full of hypocrisy and inconsistency in the way it addresses all the news. Unfortunately, there's no such thing anymore as a nonpartisan news source. Every news source has an agenda of sorts, and every news basically today is advocacy journalism. As a former broadcast journalism student at the University of Central Florida, this was especially the case when, as a conservative Christian, I could not freely write about any topic that was somewhat controversial, even from a neutral standpoint, simply because my professors knew I was a Christian. I would try to write about, say, the oh. instance of there being a bus on campus that would allow women to have free sonograms. Now, since this bus had the stigma associated with it of being a pro-life bus, which, yes, they were going to, if women asked them, bring up the gospel to them, they would tell them that instead of having an abortion for their baby, they would pass them on to a adoption agency and another counseling clinic where they could get further help and assistance once they've had their baby. Because this bus was associated with the Christian ministry, and because I was a Christian simply covering the fact that they were giving out free sonograms, I was not allowed to report on this because they told me, all right, Melissa, you want to go cover the new sonogram bus? You have to go find a protester who theoretically would protest this bus, do a soundbite on them, and then you may not do any soundbites on the owners of the bus. So what I literally had to do was find and invent a person who was opposed to Pro, the pro-life argument, find someone who was pro-choice, interview them, and then say, okay, may I take this footage and use it in my video? And then that was the only way my professor would give me a passing grade, was if I told the story from the vantage point of someone who wanted to protest this bus and have pro-choice policies in our nation. That is the point where we've come in our country in terms of the media and it is it is honestly and frankly disturbing and so okay. if we as christians can't have a fair media or can't have the media cover stories in a way that's that's unattached from their left-leaning um socialistic bias then we can't listen to it anymore we have to find our own private venues. We have to do our own following our own websites and going on Facebook to find the sources that we as Christians know to be valid sources. And we just have to have more critical thinking because like you're saying, Joseph, this censorship is a real issue. Facebook should be a free platform because they are a tax deductible platform. And if we're not allowed, we're not forcing them to pay taxes, then conservatives should have the right to freely voice their opinion we know big tech right now is in favor of Joe Biden because of the way they're censoring Christian and conservative viewpoints. We need to have this freedom of expression so that we can have healthy dialogue and debate so that we can find the truth. Otherwise, we're never going to be able to come to the truth. I could not have said that better myself. That I hold on. I, I'm still kind of 
trying to come to terms with that. You you couldn't remain as a total third party perspective, completely just completely un unemotionally attached, just purely objective. Hey, this is here. This is what it's doing. You had to write it through the point of view of someone who thinks this is li- the people on this bus are literally the scum of the earth. Exactly. I was not allowed to even interview. I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with the pregnancy centers of Oviedo and Sanford, but a wonderful woman, Andrea Crisice, who runs that bus, was the lady in in I'm referring to. And I was not able to interview her and allow her to even explain what her ministry was, because that was considered a third rail or um it was considered a firebrand issue and it was considered a hot button issue that I could not possibly objectively report on. So I was told to go find a protester for the bus. And apparently this was the only alternative to find a protester and talk about how the bus was bad. That was the only way I could report on the subject. Wow. That sounds like a society. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you remember a few months ago, when these doctors went to these the steps of the Supreme Court and they were saying that the media narrative of the coronavirus is bullcrap. And they were saying that we have treatments that work and the test, and they made this clear, the tests that were done for this drug that Trump was heralding and they were heralding were not done properly. And if, to, if that was done in any other circumstance, that would reopen the case on this drug. But no, no, everyone was saying like, oh, we know this drug doesn't work. We've done tests on it. But they're calling those tests into question. They're not saying, that's not how journalism works. That's not how the search for truth works. Mm -hmm. If they're calling your conclusion to question, do more research. Start the test over again. Don't just be like, oh, we're done. We're done. Nope. I'm going to brush you off. And there's multiple cases like that. As a matter of fact, the worst case of journalism I've ever seen came from this. They called, and I'm going to name names here, they called Fauci's claim into question. And I'm not endorsing what these people said. I'm not a medical professional. But they were, they were calling his claims into question, and the journalist was reporting and says, we know it doesn't work. You want to know why? Dr. Anthony Fauci. I wanted to, I wanted to scream at this guy. I had to work on my sanctification in this moment. And now one man does not determine everything. And like I said, they weren't attacking him. They were just calling his claims into question. We have the right to do that. We shouldn't lose it. It's very much like 1984. Don't question big brother. Big brother's always watching you. As a matter of fact, there's this video by a conservative commentator and he's mentioning how the social justice movement to the left is very similar to George Orwell's Big Brother of 1984. Have you guys ever read that book? I have yes. not. Yeah, it's quite horrifying. Mm-hmm. If, uh, I'm, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Jacob. If I may add on now to a, a Christian aspect, a lot of the things with the censorship is it's censoring truth. Or, I mean, just talk about media bias in general. That's censoring the truth already. You're taking little snippets. Little snippets. Or in the case of what Melissa was saying at school, they weren't even taking snippets. Right. They took nothing from the pro-life yeah. side. They, they literally forced you to go find somebody 
one person and do this thing and that's not like that's totally suppressing the truth and so here's what paul writes in romans 1 verse 18 for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men amen who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth we as christians are already supposed to be about the truth so as a little side thought to that a warning to you double check everything before you post it double check and make sure it's truth because you are supposed to promote the truth we as christians are supposed to promote the truth and the reasons that we once again really can't side with the left is because they suppress the truth Look at how about the sheer fact that if if the fact they're shutting anybody down of any group of any quote unquote business, it's churches. Exactly. Right. And not even not just churches. I mean, small businesses too. Why keep the big corporations up? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) John MacArthur said this in one of his sermons. You could go and you could buy twelve packs of beer, kegs, all that, but you can't go to church. And you can't get a fresca, and he wanted his fresca. Can someone make can someone make that a meme of like just John MacArthur's head on like Duke Nukem's <laughs> body, saying like I came here to I came here to preach the gospel and drink fresca, and I'm all out of fresca. <laughs> can we make that a thing? Does anyone? Do you guys have like Photoshop skills of any kind? <laughs> MemeGenerator.org. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's your homework for after this. Exactly. <laughs> that's your new prof- profile pick too. After yeah, that's going to be the new young adult <laughs> Christian the logo. It's just John MacArthur oh, on Duke Nukem's body <laughs> with a can of with a can oh, of wow. fresca in one hand and a Bible, in, an empty can of fresca in one hand and a Bible in the other. <laughs> <laughs> I have Photoshop skills. All I do is shop for... I hate you, Dylan. (laughs) 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 But yes, in terms of censorship, we we cannot condone this. As Christians, we seem to be the ones being targeted. I have friends who were posting Bible commentaries and got flagged on Facebook. Yeah, it's sickening. And like I said, it's George Orwell. It's the burning of the books. That was happening in 1984. Uh, also, what was the other one? Fahrenheit. Um, what was it? Fahrenheit. Uh, Fahrenheit 451. Yes. Burning of the books, suppressing ideas. We, we stop people from thinking and they will follow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <clears throat> Nazi Germany. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> funny that they say like, oh, we're living under a proto-Nazi regime. Meanwhile... Hitler endorsed socialist ideas. He wasn't a Christian. He was very much a a Nietzschean naturalist. That's what happens when you remove the God of the Bible. When you remove the God of the Bible, humanity loses its objective value and you could just go and do whatever you want. Every other, if you don't like a race, if you don't like the way they're handling politics or going against the economy, go ahead, kill them. Who cares? And we as Christians should know that's not the case. This is openly condemned. And the beautiful thing about it is no one gets away with it. Nope. 
There is no getting away with it. You can run, but you can't hide from the judgment of God, people. Right. I say this on every podcast, or at least I try to, but your sins are going to either be dealt, paid by you in eternity, or they're going to be paid for by Christ on the cross. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Meditate on that. What you do right now is going to echo in eternity. And if we stand by and do nothing, and we advocate for the killing of the unborn, we advocate for our rights to be stripped away, the suppression of the truth, the blood is going to be on your hands. Yep. Frightening. Yes. Right. So is there anything else you guys want to add? Does anyone who is listening actually um, have any questions, comments, or anything you would like to contribute? All right. Do you guys have anything else you want to add in or any closing thoughts? Um, I, I do have one thing. Uh, as we know, the election is less than two weeks away now, and so things are getting superheated. And I want Christians to know that no matter what happens, whether Vice President um, Biden becomes president or President Trump will get another four years. It is your duty to pray for whoever is president, mm -hmm. whoever is in Congress, whoever is head over the, your states. You are supposed to pray for every authority over you, no matter who they are, Democrat or Republican. Amen. And I wish I could remember the specific Bible verse that says something about that, but um, I could not find it. Well, I think you could also look at the Sermon on the Mount, like pray for your, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Oh, I just remember. What was it? It's, it, I think it's second, first Timothy two, four. I was, yeah, I should know that. That's in my speech. So. Oh, wow. It says pray for all people, those in high positions. Let me look it up so I can say the right verse. While Jacob's looking that up, I'll just kind of reaffirm what he's saying. It's so true that if Biden gets elected, we just need to continue to pray for him. Um, Christ will have his church in this world, and the devil's attacks will not prevail against it. Um, or in other versions, I believe, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So mm -hmm. we will prevail. There may be times where we're going to have to um, really put up a fight. Um, I'm also reminded of Esther, who said that um, for if we, remain, if we remain silent in such a time as this, um, God may raise up someone else. Um, but I'm sort of paraphrasing, but why not go ahead and let him use us for such a time as this? Um, I'm very much reminded of that right now. I think this is the time. We have 10 days left. We can't remain silent. We need to be bold. We can't be lukewarm. And we need to stand up for the rights of the unborn if we don't. 
we could be facing serious consequences. Regardless, we will be persecuted at some points in this life. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when those times come, we'll need to keep fighting and keep being willing to be bold for Christ. Amen. Mm-hmm. I found the actual verse now. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was First Timothy 2, 2. And I'm going to start from 2, 1. First of all, and this is Paul writing to Timothy, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and delighted in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. Amen. 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 So, Jacob, do you have any closing thoughts, or do you want to have that be your closing thought? Um, I, I think that's my closing thought. All right. All right. Excellent. Well, I got to live up to two great closing thoughts right now. (laughs) No pressure, no pressure at all. But look guys, we as Christians need to uphold God's standards. We need to uphold the fact that he is holy and we are not, and we must strive to seek justice in this life as well. So that way we can, no, let me, let me rephrase that. We need to, Make sure that his will is done on earth as is in heaven. That's going to be done no matter what we do. His, he is sovereign. He has, he has decreed everything that has ever happened and ever will happen. But that does not mean we sit by and do nothing. We have, he has called many people to do these great things in the order to advance his will. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say this. These times do not call for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the strong men. I don't know who that quote is from, but I heard it a few days ago, and it rings really true. You cannot stand idly by. We cannot stay silent. We cannot be absent from the body of Christ. We cannot be not, we cannot skip prayer and neglect to pray for the good of our leaders and the good of our nation. We need to be in constant prayer. We're even told to be, to pray without ceasing. That is a command by God. Whatever you do, we keep it in prayer, keep it in prayer and keep it for his glory and his will be done. Whatever this election may bring, whatever comes after it in 2024, Remember, he is sovereign above all things, and his will be done on earth as, in he- as it is in heaven. On that note, shall we- Melissa, do you care to pray us out? Sure, we can pray. All right, let's do that now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come together to um, hash out ways that we as Christians can serve you in this time. Lord, I just thank you so much um, for Joseph and Jacob and all those listening and commenting today um, and for the thoughts that they've shared. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would be with our nation's leaders right now. I pray that you would give them wisdom. I pray that whoever wins this election, Lord, that um, we as Christians would continue to pray for them and um, be faithful to you. Um, Help us to be faithful in these next few days before the election. 
Um, help us to be bold, to speak the truth in love, um, but to be brave when we have to speak hard truths as well, Lord. I pray that um, in this specific time, in this unique time in our election, um, I pray that you would help us to um, know that maybe you could be using us for such a time as this. Um, and I just pray that all the glory would go to you, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 All right. So I just want to thank you guys for coming on. It's been a blessing and it's been edifying. It really has. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Likewise. All right. And I pray that uh, we can do more stuff in the future. Absolutely. Yes. I'm looking forward Definitely. to that. All right. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who has listened and will listen after this has been recorded and uploaded to whatever platform you prefer to listen to your podcast on. Today's closing scripture is, and I just had it. Oh, man, I hate technology sometimes. <laughs> I, I really do. I just had this. Oh, my gosh. I hate don't you hate when this happens? Oh. Okay, here it found it. Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. My name is Joseph Dronick. This has been the Young Adult Christian Podcast. See you next time, guys. May God bless and keep you. Take care now. <laughs>